kids can be dismissed, get ready to go back for Sunday school. And while they're doing that, I want to tell you about uh, something this week that we're trying to focus upon. Um, the church has a great opportunity to and have, have been pursuing starting a Bible study in, in Dunwoody, and uh, especially with the Indian community that lives there. And Ben and Reedy have recently relocated into uh, an apartment complex where there are a lot of uh, Indians. And this opportunity has opened up to them to use the facility to start a Bible study. And so we want to put some prayer and fasting behind that and pull down spiritual strongholds before they move into this endeavor. So last night uh, in prayer, we prayed for uh, that Bible study with the focus that God would uh, send the angel of Cornelius with uh, the truth to lead people to the Bible study and that he would uh, put in their path someone who is a connected person that is hungry for truth and uh, that they could start this Bible study with and uh, have these connections naturally build. And so this week, I'm calling the church that if we would take a moment, a time of focused prayer, uh, so whenever you're praying every day, if you'll take time and pray, pray for Dunwoody, uh, pray for this Bible study to move forward, for God to open up a door with someone uh, there so that the Bible study can start and get off well and pull down those strongholds, bind the strongholds, and then loose the Spirit of God uh, in truth and righteousness into that area, we have to see something happen in the spiritual before it happens in the physical. And so that's why we pray. And when we pray, what we're doing is we're taking the physical and we're reaching across the barrier into the spiritual. Everything that we see came out of the spiritual. When God spoke, God was a spirit. God spoke from a spiritual into the physical, everything that exists. So that's what prayer is. Prayer is reaching beyond the physical. All the physical is going to pass away one day. But in Revelation, it talks about prayer is the one thing that will be in heaven beyond our souls. So the prayers of the saints are important. So when we're praying, we're touching God. We're touching something that is beyond us. So we want to pray, fast and pray, for this Dunwoody Bible study. And I'm calling people to join me for just sacrificing one day this week uh, to fast specifically for this task. Eliminate food, eliminate uh, some meals, go with just water or juices, and uh, fast specifically for this Bible study. And so far we have uh, Monday through Thursday is covered, and uh, I wonder if someone would join us on Friday fasting for this Bible study in Dunwoody. Friday. Daryl? All right. What about Saturday? Let's cover the week. We want Saturday. All right. And I'm going to make my fast day Thursday. I will join Delina and fasting on Thursday, and uh, we've covered all the days, and then Saturday, what we're going to do, 
uh, I'll send out an updated email. And I know this is very short notice. These doors open up like this where it's when God's moving, you got to move, right? So Saturday, uh, we're going to go over and do a prayer walk in their community and pray over that space. And I'll send emails out and update everyone. It'll be on Facebook. So look for that. Um, thank you for being at Branches Church today and worshiping with us. Today, I want to preach to you under this title, Preaching Christ. Preaching Christ. And I just want, this is going to be a simple sermon. It's the most simple sermon you've probably ever heard. You're probably going to be thinking, well, I wanted something deeper than that. But it's so simple, yet it's so deep. And I want to preach to you about Christ. And I want to do, as Scripture said, Philip did in Samaria, Acts 8 and 5. And not only do I want to do that, but I want to encourage you that your life would do the same thing. Acts 8 and 5 says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Preached Christ to them. And it may be under different circumstances today that I preach Jesus Christ to you. Actually, it's probably very, very different circumstances than what Philip had. And it may seem like an old story, it may seem like something we're all super familiar with, but I want to say that the, the message of Jesus Christ is just as beneficial today as it ever has been. And I would even probably stretch to go a little bit further and say, you know, nothing in this world beyond some technology technological advances and changes, not much has changed. People are still dealing with the same issues of life that sin has brought to us. They're, we're dealing with a culture of infidelity. We deal with a culture of lying, of thievery. We deal with a culture of murder. We still deal with the same things over and over. And sometimes we feel and give in to the message that this is new, that it's uh, more uh, happening more now than it ever has, guess what? Nothing is different. Nothing has changed. The day that Philip preached in Samaria, Jesus Christ only to them, it, it, he was facing a culture of the same things that we face today. There were people who were robbing people, just like they do today. There were people who were prejudiced, just like there are today. There were people who were hateful and mean, just like there are today. There was homosexuality then. That's not a new thing. There was adultery then. That's not a new thing. They talk about it all throughout Scripture. The sins and the culture that we face today is really no different. It might be a little constructed differently. It might be remade. We might have acceptance of more sins than what they accepted but they were facing the exact same stuff. And so Philip finds himself in Samaria, and he's not there because he chose to be there. He's not there because he thought, I'll take a trip to Samaria. He's there because back in Jerusalem, when life had been pretty good and was probably going very well for him, something happened. It was called the dispersion where the Christians were dispersed from Jerusalem all throughout the known world. And it came about because of persecution. 
So imagine Philip was in this very comfortable place in his life, in his relationship with God. He was in this familiar place around family, around friends, around a culture that he knew very well. But persecution upon the church and the endangerment of his life and circumstances beyond his control forced him into a city and a place that he really had no desire to go because Samaritans were not people who were accepted by the Jews. They were the outcasts. They were the outsiders. But Philip finds himself going in this persecution to Samaria. Imagine what Philip witnessed. Persecution was full on force, and we mean persecution. We're not talking about a baker being sued because he didn't want to do a wedding cake. We're talking about someone dying. He watched friends die. He watched loved ones suffer. He watched people that he knew very well, very intimately, be put under all kind of constraints and pressures that we can't hardly even imagine today. And he fled to preserve his life. So he's not in Samaria because he has chosen to be there. He is there because circumstances beyond his control have placed him there. And you know, on occasion, life's circumstances beyond our control will place us somewhere where we had no intention of being. We didn't plan to get there. It wasn't part of the plan and we can spend our energy trying to make sense of it, or we can dedicate ourselves to finding a purpose in the place that God has put us. It's called finding God's higher purpose. Philip went to Samaria to escape persecution, but there he preached Christ to them. That's all it says. He preached Christ to them. He didn't mention himself. He didn't talk about what he had witnessed in Jerusalem. He didn't talk about the things that were going wrong in his life or how wrong he was done or what someone did to his family. He didn't tell of his persecution. All he did was he preached Christ to them. Sometimes we make a mistake because we get hung up on this life. Things aren't going our way. Circumstances are coming our way that we have no control over. And we can spend this energy and this time focused on trying to get that right instead of saying, you know, I'm, I'm right here where God maybe has allowed me to arrive. And instead of focusing on all of the things that have went wrong, I'm going to focus on what is right. And Jesus Christ is right. And our life should be preaching Jesus Christ. Our message should be preaching Christ. It should be about Christ. Our attention should be on Christ. And the greatest of Christ's followers, you want to know what I've seen throughout Scripture whenever I study and I read and I look at them? What I see is that they always have had their heart and their mind set on Him. Very briefly, do any of them acknowledge the problems that are going on in their life at that moment? Paul would say, I have a thorn in the flesh. And just like human nature, we spend an inordinate amount of time. What was that thorn? What, what was his problem? What was he up against? I had one professor say, I think it was his wife. Which made me think that professor's got a problem with his wife. <laughs> but we spend a lot of time trying to figure out the problem, the issue. 
But what I've noticed about the greatest of Christ's followers, if they have, they have their attention one place. They may acknowledge the problem. They may be like Paul and say, yeah, there's a thorn. There's a problem there. But then they immediately turn their attention to Jesus Christ. They have their heart, their mind set on him. Paul's example is this. Paul, when he came to Corinth, he did not come with worldly wisdom or even excellent speech. He didn't use any of those things to declare the testimony of God. And here's here's the mistake we make. I know I've done this. I try to convince people about what I know and what I've learned about God. When I should focus on the experience I've had with God. And people, if they, if they had the knowledge that Paul had, I just imagine, if I had the knowledge that Paul had, I might try and see that the whole world would know what I know. But Paul didn't say that. 1 Corinthians 2 and 2, he said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We go back to verse 1. It says, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Verse 4 through 5, he said, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul was saying, I preach Jesus Christ. I preach what he has done, what he is doing. I preach Christ alone. He preached Christ to the governor of Felix in Acts 24 when he was brought before him. He said, I don't know anything about anything else. I just know Jesus Christ. He preached Christ to King Agrippa in Acts 26. He said, oh, great king, I wish that you'd be just like me, not in these chains, but you'd be persuaded as I am for Christ. His message was always Jesus Christ. His life was always about Jesus Christ. Paul knew what it was about. It's why he could write 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You're not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He said, I'm not even my own. I've been purchased. I've been bought away. I owe God my life. It's all about him. It's not about me. It's not about my issues. It's not about my problems. It's not about the things in life that are going on. It's about Jesus Christ. And so I say, let us preach Jesus Christ. Let our lives preach Jesus Christ. And it's so simple. He was born of a virgin. He's God manifest in the flesh. He alone is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he came with one purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost. That's you and I from from what we think is the greatest to the worst when we're all really on an equal plane. We're all sinners and we need to be saved by His grace and by His purchased blood of our sins and wipe those sins away. This was His sole purpose in coming. He didn't come so that you'd have a better retirement. He didn't come so that our life would be easier. He didn't come so that problems would disappear. He came because we needed saving. 
beyond this life. That's why he came. And he's no respecter of persons. He sees every person in this room on the same playing field. You may think whenever you see me, well, it looks like he's got everything together. It looks like he's probably got a great prayer life with God. God's really blessing him because how close he is to God. No, God doesn't see any difference between you and I. He doesn't see any difference between you and I. What he sees is he sees someone who's trying to fulfill his purpose in their life. My purpose is to be a pastor, to be a preacher. Your purpose may not be that. But he doesn't see any difference between any one of us in this room. He's no respecter of persons. And how, you know, we think we're not judgmental. We think we don't have prejudices. But I'm telling you, in some way, we all do. We have to face those things. We need to deal with those things. Just like we all think we don't have some insecurity, guess what? I've got some insecurities, and I have to deal with those things. I deal with it every Sunday because I'm insecure about my singing. I'm super insecure about being on video, and I'm overcoming that. Amen, Shannon? We all have some insecurities. We have to deal with those things. We all have problems. We have to put those things in proper order and place. I'm not saying ignore those things. We all have something that we hold against someone or someone that we would close the door on and not let them into our life. Jesus was no respecter of persons. He really was not. You can see him ministering to the blind beggar. And wealthy Zacchaeus is right down the road waiting on him. And he touched both of their lives in the same day. He's no respecter of persons. That's the message of Jesus Christ. The next part of the message is Jesus loves you. Why? You want to know why? You want to know why Jesus loves you? Because he loves you. He loves you. It's not conditional. It's not based on how you act. It's not based on what you've done in your life. He loves you. He does not want any one of us to be lost because he loves us. And I don't know how to explain it beyond that. He just loves us. He loves you right now with all of your problems and your struggles and the things you feel like you'll never get out of your life. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that Jesus died for your sins. When he had opportunity to turn away from the cross and he could have been done with it. When he had opportunity to come off of the cross and call angels to rescue him and be done with it. He did not. He chose to be there at that appointed moment in time because he loves you. Not only did he die to pay the price for our sins. But he was raised for our justification. He was raised so that we could be justified before him in judgment. And Jesus is coming again soon. Acts 1.11 says, The same Jesus who has taken up from you into heaven, who will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Why are you standing here waiting? Why are you looking up at heaven? He's coming right back the same way he went away. And he's coming soon. And until he returns, he has not abandoned us. But instead, he offers his promise. The promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
You know how complicated this is? He will give it to any who ask him. That's such a restriction. That's such a, a, a tight, legal, lawful, binding covenant. He'll give it to anyone who asks. That's, he's stingy like that. All you have to do is ask, and he'll give it to you. And he promises to fill you with the Holy Spirit and have the same experience because he's no respecter of persons. He wants each one of us to have the same experience in our lives. So whenever I look at people that they talk about what God has done in their life, we don't need to look at them and say, wow, wish I could have that. Because you can. There's no wishing involved. It's just pursuing God. What he's done for someone else, he can and could do for you in your life. He's that kind of God. He's no respecter of persons. You can have the same experience as they had in Acts chapter 2, speaking in tongues. That's for everyone. John 7, 38 and 39 Jesus said it like this, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John kind of expands on this. He says, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Listen, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the experience of Acts chapter 2, the Pentecostal experience, it's for every one of us. That's his promise. So the message of Jesus Christ is that he was born of a virgin. He's God manifest in the flesh. He went to the cross for you and I, paid the price for our sins, and he was resurrected for our justification. He was sent into heaven, and he left with us a promise that if you'll just ask me and ask, I will fill you with the Spirit of God, speaking in tongues. I'll pour it into your life. It's a promise for every one of you. And none of that has changed. His promise is for every one of us today. His promise for every one of us today. And I know it. We like to take, this is, if there's anything I've learned about us as people, and you can all just say amen and agree with me. I don't even have to tell you, you can just say amen because I know I'm right. We people, we like to take simple, easy things, and we like to complicate it. Anybody who works a job knows. We like to take simple stuff and complicate it. Yesterday I got up. I tried to start my mower. It wouldn't start. I did as much mechanically as I know how to do, which is like keep pulling on the chain. And I checked the spark plug. And then I took it to Ace Hardware. Got to get it fixed. My grass is looking really bad. So I pull up, and they have this sign out front, the little buzzer. It says, dropping off mower for services. Push the button. Push the button. And then the sign below says, go to the service desk inside in the front. So I go inside, and they say, you need to go talk to so-and-so in the back. So I go to so-and-so in the back, and he says, what do you got? I got a mower. It won't start. Needs servicing. And he says, okay, 
go outside, and the guys in the back will meet you, and they'll give you a blue piece of paper that says what the problem is. You bring that back in here, and we'll finish. We'll put your name on it, and you can. there's a, a service fee that will be added into the cost of repairs if there are any repairs. If not, it's just for our time, and, and we'll get it set up. What? It's the most complicated process in the world. It's a mower. Pull on the chain. <laughs> we know how to take super simple stuff and complicate it. And you know what? God makes it super simple. He says, if you want this, you just ask me. And you'll know. I've given a sign. You'll know whenever you receive. You'll know when you have the experience because it's going to be supernatural. It's going to be beyond. It's not, it's not going to be a moment where you think, do I really, did I really have that experience? If you'll stand with me, I want to tell this story about a friend of mine. His name was John. When I was in high school, John started coming to, coming to our little church in Springfield, Missouri. And we had a youth group that was starting to grow. We had this revival one night. And this guy preached. He preached about the Holy Ghost and everything. And, and John wanted it. John went up to the front. John started praying. What John didn't know is that some of the guys that had become friends with John, we started praying for him. We started fasting. We started wanting him to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. John goes up there, and we're all excited. John's never, he never even went to an, an altar before. He never even called on God. I mean, he, he liked service. He enjoyed service. He went. He goes up there, and we started praying with him. We got beside him. We started laying hands on his back and asking for it, John. John starts praying. After a little bit of praying, seeking God, everybody could hear him. He was speaking in tongues. It was awesome. Well, you know what's really awesome? About a week later, I was talking with John. I said, how's it going, John? He said, man, he said, my life's different. It's like I see things different. He said, he said, you know, that night, I we had that youth service I got in my car and he lived quite a ways out in the country he started driving he said I was in the car and immediately started thinking that wasn't real didn't happen it was just emotional you know it was, it was just this exciting service it wasn't real and he said you know but I, I felt so certain that what I felt really happened he said, so I prayed. He said, I made it super simple. I said, Lord, if what just happened to me was real, I want to feel your presence in this car right now. And he said, just like that, it just felt like something sat in the seat next to him. And he could feel the atmosphere in the car change. And he started crying. He said, I started crying. I started praising God. 
And I started speaking in tongues again. He said, I, I knew. He's like, I had to pull off the road. I knew at that moment what I experienced was real. It was, it was a God thing. You know, it's so simple. It's just like that. It's super easy. You just say, God, this promise, you, you, you offered me this promise. You say, God, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to speak in tongues. I want that sign. I want that surety. And you start praising God. And as you're praising God, as the words are coming out of your mouth and you're speaking to God, you start to feel like something else is trying to well up and come from inside. Just what Jesus said, John chapter 7, out of their belly, out of their heart, out of their heart shall flow rivers of living water. It's just like it just comes up from inside. It starts to come out of your mouth. And you, t- you start to speak in a tongue. You don't understand. You don't know. These syllables just want to come out. And you just let them. That's the moment. That's the moment when everyone starts to pull back. And I, I think I know what it is. We, we don't want to be fake. We don't want to be dishonest. But it's in that moment that if you lean in and you trust God and you say, God, I'm just going to let you take control and you submit to the Spirit as it moves, that's when it happens. We complicate stuff. I'm trying to make this super simple today. This is a simple message. Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ died for you. Jesus Christ has a promise for you. And if you'll just ask Him and entertain the presence of God in praise and worship, He will fill you with His Spirit. You'll start to speak in tongues. It'll be this miraculous event in your life and everything. I'm telling you, everything else will change after that. It's the Spirit of God that gives us understanding. It's the Spirit of God that gives us knowledge in His Word. And things that we read, it's what makes the Word of God come alive in us. The Word itself is death, but the Spirit gives life. Praise God. Why don't we entertain the presence of God that's here right now? God, you see every one of us. You see our hearts for you. You see our problems. You see our sin. You see what we've done, the mistakes we've made. But God, you see all of that and you still keep saying, I've got a promise. I've got a promise. I've got a gift for you. I've got something for you that's going to change your life. It's going to help you to overcome. It's going to help you to overcome the enemy. It's going to help you overcome the flesh. I want to give you that gift. Let's praise and worship the Lord for just a moment. My wife's going to begin to sing. The presence of God is here so strong right now. To the place where your peace and your love overflow, where my heart is set free from all shame and guilt, chains are undone. Chains 
here right now. I want to invite all of us to come join across the front of this facility. If you're comfortable, just step out of where you're at. We're going to keep worshiping. We're going to keep praising God. I wonder if we could just close our eyes. No looking around, just every head bowed, every eye closed. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and you really want it, would you lift your hand? This is you and God. You and God are talking. I really want that gift. Right now, let's pray a very simple prayer, and let's ask Him, God, you see our heart's desire. You see the hunger of our life. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you'd fulfill your promises. Baptize us with your Holy Spirit. Give us the evidence, the sign, the same promise that you gave to your followers, the apostles, the disciples. Give that promise. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Start praising God. Open your mouth. Start talking to Him.
is for you and I'm for you I'm on your side if you have any questions about the baptism of the Holy Spirit you have questions about the Word of God bring them to me if you have struggles about something that's going on bring those to me I'm not gonna judge you I'm gonna give you direction I'm gonna give you guidance from the Word of God and I'm gonna help you get a hold of everything God has for you I want to help you get a hold of everything God has for you. I've watched people's lives in this church being transformed and changed, impacted by God. There's more coming. God has purposes for every one of us. He's got greater wills. He's got things and destinies in front of us, miracles we don't even know about. There are things in God we haven't even touched yet, and God has for us. I'm so excited about what the Spirit of God is doing in all of us. And He's moving. Whenever we don't see Him, we're looking at the, the hill that we're having to climb. We're looking at the, the stuff that's in front of us or we're facing what's going on in life. He's working. We're, when we're asleep or trying to sleep, having a sleepless night, He's working. We don't always see it, but He's working for you. And if God is for us, who can be against us? I love you. Thank you for being at Branches today. Shake someone's hand. Encourage them. Say, you're going to make it over this mountain. You're going to make it through this valley. You're going to overcome. You're going to overcome. 